Welcome to the Cinema Swamp. Okay. Let's party. In episode 55, we discuss the films directed by Jeremy Salonier, the director of Murder Party, Blue Ruin, Hold the Dark, and Green Room. We discuss the stuff we like, what we don't like, and we make a couple theories here and there. Episode 55, folks. Um, we make it, you know, I'm not used to this week-by-week -week schedule we've been doing. I know. So uh, we were doing a bi-weekly schedule for a while, but now we're, uh, for the time being, recording weekly, and it's it's a it's a different setup for sure. I'm starting to see you guys way too much again. I don't see you guys enough. Oh, you don't see me enough? I don't see you guys enough. Oh, that's, that's so sweet. I have this oh. microphone in the way. Oh, you want to know what? <laughs> Hi! <laughs> I'll start calling you Zach. <laughs> Your dope work? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Talk How about, was it? Um, the famous director. Oh, he's not that famous. Jeremy Saulnier. Saulnier? Saulnier. What did we decide? Saulnier. Okay. He corrected the Salmonier. guy. Yeah. Salmonella. Jeremy Salmonella. <laughs> um, yeah, Sal I don't know. He's saying his name incorrectly, but uh, Saulnier. Uh, is is it French? I, I think don't think it's know. just Saulnier. It, it's Saulnier. If it's Saulnier, it's definitely French. Okay. I mean, how, are we sure it's even Jeremy? It could be something else. I mean, Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy Saulnier. Saulnier. Harambe Saulnier. Jeremiah Saulnier. 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 So this is anywho. The, yeah, well, you know, we could go on about that. Denis Villeneuve. This is a director that I feel like um, most people probably don't know about. Um, except for probably, I would say, if you're us, on... Us four. Yeah, well, us four. I, we are the biggest fans out there. That's the whole point of this podcast, is that this episode in particular, it's finally a chance... Yep, this is it. ...to this give is, praise. This is the last mm -hmm. one. ...to this director slash writer. This is what I we've think, been leading up to. I think we make that joke every week. This yeah. is the like final episode. But this is the final episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been a slow burn, but we finally got here. It's true. <laughs> Most people probably know them from uh, uh, know him from Hold the Night, Hold the Dark, Hold the Dark, <laughs> Dark Holder. Biggest fans. <laughs> dark Holdings. It's been a very long day. No. <laughs> night of the Holden. Hold this the is what happens when I don't have my notes in front of me. Hold the Murdered Dark, night. which is a Netflix movie. I probably that's probably why most people would know anything about him. Is because you see you just scroll past the movie when you're on Netflix, oh, yeah. uh, but actually all his movies are currently on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Even Green Room, Green Room, I don't think mm -hmm. was on there before. Um, it was, it's been on there for a couple months. It's been on, on there, there every night. It was on there off and on, yeah. Yeah, because whenever I took it from you, that, that's when it wasn't there. So it's Blue Ruin, Blue Ruin's still on there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just gonna rewatch it too. So it's worth it. And of course, Murder Party. So. Um, Four mm -hmm. great movies. Uh, if you want to take one night to just binge them all, I'd recommend oh, it's it. it's doable, it's... and it would be a crazy night. You'd probably fall asleep, though, at the end of yeah, it. Yeah, I'd start with, like, <laughs> yeah. I'd start with Blue Ruin and Hold the Dark, and then go to Green Room, and then end the end night with, the night with Murdo Murder Party. Yes. Yes. Murdo Murdo party. party. Murdo party. <laughs> See, I'm not the only one messing up. I mean, honestly, though, like, as good as all those movies are, if you've never heard of him, I would... And you do you would just take an evening, dear listener, to to watch. I would genuinely say watch Green Room and then Murder Party. Oh yeah. But these guys probably have maybe a different different take on it. I think we all have different opinions. Yeah. Somewhat. Um, well it sounds like you two are the same. I'm I mean Chloe haven't but I'm thinking me and Chloe probably have the same. I feel like there's gonna be one movie in particular that we're gonna completely split in half on. Uh -huh. um, maybe. And I already 
think I know what movie that is. Yeah, and that movie is Frozen, directed by Jeremy Saulnier. Frozen 2? Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Wolf. <laughs> the Muppets take Manhattan. Roger Rabbit 2, Revenge of Gumby. I gotta Little say, Muppet. Takes Manhattan wasn't nearly Jason as good as takes Manhattan. Uh, Muppets Treasure Island. I gotta say, I wasn't as impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know he directed all these Muppet movies. <laughs> Who is that actor that's in all his movies? Megan Blair. Megan Blair takes Manhattan. Mm-hmm. You know what his Muppet name would be? Macon. Macon Bacon, yo. Macon Bacon. He would be a piece of bacon, obviously. In Muppet form. An actual piece of bacon. That'd be it. No strings. Jim Henson would do that. He was a genius. That would be his idea. Probably. Praise him. I don't know. Do we introduce ourselves even anymore? It's Justin on the mic and across from me. P. Diddy. Yeah. Hunter is my name. <laughs> Chloe. That's the one. You're thinking of Chloe. <laughs> You're trying to remember your name. She paused, looked at the ceiling, and put her hand on her head. For a solid two seconds. Why did they call me? I was I was trying to remember the names name. that Shaggy and Scooby called themselves in the Monsters Unleashed movie because I was going to introduce us as it's like S J McCrawley. <laughs> <laughs> no, as always, it's Keith McGillicuddy. Yeah, <laughs> is that one of their names? I saw Green Room and like. 2015 maybe 2016 and i just heard it from a podcast found it in red box and loved it and i that's how you, i told you guys about it right is that how you guys i thought you said you up? saw the trailer or something i'd never watched the trailer oh, okay I'd, I'd listened to it in a podcast and basically found it in red box I'd, i would love for you to start a letterbox list called heard it on the podcast and then like all the movies that you've lit, watched because of podcast because of po- i just should do that yeah but anyway, it's continue. basically just the AFI that's list. What, that's what the '80s all over started doing for me. Oh yeah, so creating so a watch list. <laughs> but anyway, that's how you were. That's how I found, yeah, Green Room at least, which is his third movie. Um, and then yeah, that's how you guys found out about it, right? That's when you, because Hold the Dark, I don't know, was that out yet even? When you guys had first seen Green Room. Uh, no. Yeah, no? Hold the dark. Yeah. I think that was like uh, yeah, it's last cool. October. We saw a green room before then. Okay. Mm-hmm. I remember having you guys all over to watch it. So I knew nothing about him or of those movies. I had heard Green Room from you, though, plenty of times. Probably. Uh, but I probably talked about it on Twitter. No, because that one night we were recording, we were like on Netflix, and we're like, well, he's got some other movies, so we just typed in his name, mm-hmm. and then Burger and Party we, came up, and I was like, Yeah, it was last watch. Halloween. Yeah, that was Halloween, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Right, and then I was like, oh, let's just watch this. This looks yeah. amazing. And then it was. It, it was, was like the best, best movie. <laughs> yeah, we were all like... This movie is the coolest thing ever. I wish I could watch all movies like that, just with no just idea. Spontaneous. Have yeah. no idea it even existed until that second, and then watch. Yeah, it to well. watch it together is a treat. Right. That was that a real amazing. treat. We never do that. There's only a couple moments, like I think, like Creep, watching Creep for the first time and being like, "This is something else." Watching Murder Party with you guys is like one of my favorite memories of all time. <laughs> Dug it. That, that's like a cinema swamp pilot. I just couldn't believe like watching it. I was like, I can't believe like it seems so possible to make something like this. But mm-hmm. also the fact that it's like a first time director can't believe that he was able to make something like yeah. this on the first try. I'm like, mm-hmm. are you serious? Like this is there's very many people have their like breakout films, mm-hmm. and everyone says that his is Blue Ruin because it premiered at one of the festivals 
mm-hmm. got really big. It's basically what kind of started jump-starting his career to make mm-hmm. Green Room, to make Hold the Dark. But his debut is Murder Party, mm-hmm. and there's very few directors who I think can have something so like original and um, stylish right from the beginning. Like mm-hmm. I dig that movie. Um, probably way more... <laughs> way more than necessary like I, I don't know what other people would think of it even uh, but I think it should be watched more I'm surprised it's not like a cult favorite murder party yeah I mean maybe it's too soon it's only 2007 but I'm like mm-hmm. what the heck like this is that should be like a staple Halloween movie I think I don't know yeah. why everyone hadn't seen it I was like I'm surprised no one's ever told me about this mm-hmm. movie because mm-hmm. that seems to be what the case is usually mm-hmm. and that's like the one movie I tell everyone. I'm like, oh, see, see this. Yeah, you gotta see Murder Party. <laughs> um, hey, that'd be a good way to start, though. Mm-hmm. Murder Party. Yeah. Think beyond splattering blood on canvas. When our masterpiece is complete and the coroner's report is back in, it will read the cause of death. Art. Happy Halloween. 2007. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of weird. It seems like compared to the rest of his movies, he's been kind of making them one after the other now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird that he made his debut quite a few years before he would make Blue Ruin. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, what'd you think? What'd you think of Murder Party? I've actually only seen it the one time since. I, I have to rewatch it literally, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've watched it this week, and I love it just as much. Mm-hmm. It's like this, you, you remember bits a second time through, but like, it still felt so. <laughs> it's it's a movie that takes place so much in like one scene, one location that like you forget what parts happen in what order, so everything feels fresh the whole movie mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. So like, I guess the brief synopsis of the movie is a, a your average Joe who's probably in his thirties finds a a invitation to a party, a very well made invitation. Decides to go in a homemade cardboard knight costume, <laughs> and he bakes uh, pumpkin bread, and basically shows up, and they immediately, they're like not concerned that he's there at all, and they try to kill him, and they're not good at it. They get him to a chair, and you, you kind of find out that he's supposed to be the subject of a obscure art project, mm-hmm. and they're competing for a grant and you can't I, don't, I still I guess I don't know if it's like they're competing against each other for a grant or as one and they're going to share the money for the grant by some mystery person named Alexander and but people are just like these are just idiot like college kids and you that's kind of the whole movie <laughs> it's like they're it's so stupid you don't know if people are actually going to kill each other if like there's horror elements but there's Absolutely, it's so satirical and dry at parts, and like, it's a really wild ride. Mm-hmm. But man, it's it's a good movie. I don't even know. I don't really know what I'd compare it to. Maybe like, I'd compare it to Free Fire, um, in terms of like humor and style and pace. But yeah, I don't know. That's my synopsis of it, and it yeah. kicks ass the whole way through. Yeah. Zach and I were literally watching it like just a little bit of it before we came here and I was laughing the entire time like like he was saying I was finishing Hold the Dark in the kitchen because I was also doing some homework and he had turned on Murder Party and I could like hear scenes and I knew what was happening at those scenes Mm -hmm. so I just kept cracking up because like it's just it's Mm -hmm. so funny and then there's this really good scene 
<laughs> when he's in the closet and there's like the yeah. montage of like <laughs> that's probably the best stuff. scene it's so good because like there's this montage and you see things and you're like oh maybe he's gonna make some kind of like distraction thing with the fire extinguisher <laughs> like some kind of away. obscure weapon yeah and, like, and, like the door opens and his arms are full and then he throws it <laughs> and like fakes but, it uh, and then it runs away. the way he throws it though it barely goes two feet <laughs> but then and no just, one flinches even like but it, but it, it even just hard cuts to him already tied to a chair after that well yeah because like it shows him run away because he like runs in between them and no one reaches for him because it's so <laughs> it's such a lame attempt that they don't even try to catch him because he Oh man, it's, it's so, so good. good. There's it's, just little scenes like that peppered throughout the whole mm-hmm. thing that make it so good. Yeah, and you know, it's the satire of it. Well, humor of it works so well just because all the other characters are like taking the idea like so seriously, mm-hmm. um, and they're acting like it's just a normal everyday kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I, I, whoever that main actor is. It's just so good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just because it's like, I don't know, like, I even the premise, I, I guess if you were to be told the premise, people would be like, well, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of stupid. But, I'm like, but if you watch the movie, it, like, makes total sense. I mean, like, the mm-hmm. dude doesn't think it's probably legit. He's just like, yeah. At first, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, it actually is a literal, mm-hmm. like, they're going to kill you. <laughs> he's got, um, like, the least amount of lines in the movie. Mm-hmm. And he's still, like, the main character, and he's so... <laughs> like, at one point, they take truth serum, and, like, he just talks about how he, like... I think he, like, peed his pants, or he crapped himself or something, and, like, I can't even remember what he confesses. They're all, like, trying to do puns. They're trying to out-pun each other. <laughs> and, like, his pun at first is so bad, they're gonna kill him. And then, like... Yeah, I don't deserve to be punished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> surprised that he hasn't done like another comedy since like mm-hmm. or even anything of like that style everything else has been um a little more dramatic mm-hmm. um a little more of a thriller edge to it mm-hmm. this one i think has that edge to it but it's it's all based around humor and it's such a good time and uh mm-hmm. i don't know it's something that i would i look forward to watching every halloween though mm-hmm. um well, like the last, what is it, the last 20 so minutes really have the same kind of tone as Green Room, which was his next movie. Mm-hmm. And like, it really shows off the special effects, it really shows off like the horror elements, and I think that's really cool. Like, it just totally flips. Mm-hmm. And then it gets funny again right at the end. Yeah, <laughs> it's so. It's wild. Right up in, yeah, to the end when he's like in the art room and like chainsaws mm-hmm. the, the, the character from the Warriors to death in the face. <laughs> and it's like bad, like there's a lot of practical effects in it, which I love. And the effects are like he's chainsawing this guy's head and it's so fake, but it, it's so enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And man, it's a good ass movie. I wonder what the budget of that movie was. I'm gonna look it up quick. Um, but Twenty million. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a guess. It was. It was the time. I wish. I mean, it was the time before uh, before Kickstarter existed. So mm-hmm. um, I'm expecting it's probably a very just small budget. But that's like why it works so well because it utilizes limited materials, mm-hmm. limited sets, limited lighting, and everything. Small and location. 
it just makes something. It looks like they just went it. garage sailing and built a set out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. How can we incorporate <laughs> like this trench coat into this? How can we in- incorporate like this werewolf mask? And then they just wrote the movie around the set pieces that they had. We have a a chainsaw that you plug into a wall. <laughs> what can we do with this? Yeah, so um, they they decided to um, they they made Crab Walk as a way to fund this movie, but that failed as an attempt to find any investors. So then they decided to just make this movie anyway with no money, and then in 2006 they started shooting. It says it has a budget of 190 to $230,000, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know where those numbers come from as far as the actual production of the movie, yeah. but that's kind of a neat story where they were like, yeah, we're going to make this short film, and then we're going to be able to fund our project, and it just didn't work, so they're like, yeah, screw it, let's just make it anyway, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, thank God they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anything else about Murder Party? Anything else to say? It's real good. Right, yeah. Does everyone have, like, a favorite scene, I guess? I just, I love the guy. The yeah. main guy. Mm-hmm. Like, just I like... just, I thought of the scene where, towards the end, where, um, Bill, with the yellow face, he's chasing the main guy around, mm-hmm. and... The guy is like hiding under a ledge, and then his watch goes off, and he's like, "Oh shoot!" And he doesn't get up and run right away. He turns off the watch alarm. Yeah. And then he gets up and runs. It's yeah. Just, it's so ridiculous. I forgot about that. It's such a good because, like, right before then, there, there's such a well-written scenes. Like, all the chaos is happening. Basically, everyone else in the movie dies mm-hmm. or is in a dying part. Like, Alexander just has face eaten off. Um, the the. <laughs> his like Soviet friend his like Eastern European friend shoots most of everyone else there and then all the while like the wolf guy like Macon Blair's character is like on fire outside and like the lady who dressed up like the Blade Runner girl goes goes out there with a fire extinguisher that doesn't work and like goes in and it's like oh everyone just hold on like what's his face is on fire outside she like takes her time finding another fire extinguisher <laughs> he's on fire for a long time for the amount of burned that he is isn't like I don't know, it's such a good scene um there's one other one that i thought of that just too good to think of pretty much the whole where they like are taking truth serum and they're just yeah, it's such good. like a, it's like filmed like a uh, that 70s show Mm-hmm. Style where it's like camera in the to center. Me, to and me, it felt like Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. very, very Breakfast Club. They're just confessing like crap. Good, yeah, that's a good comparison. Man, it's <laughs> such a good movie. It's so good. I just like when he finally gets the nerve to get that cat to move. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Lancelot, could you please move? <laughs> Sir Lancelot. Um, but yeah, if you want to move on, we could discuss. Blue Ruin. It's me. By my count, that's two of yours and two of mine. I don't know how this ends. Which was actually a Kickstarter-made movie. It was like one of the first. Hmm. Like actually, I, for uh, 2013, it came out, and um, yeah, that one ended up going to festivals, became pretty big, made quite a few dollars, I guess. I mean wasn't a huge 
box office take, but still, mm-hmm. just for how much they made it for, and on a smaller budget, with the help <laughs> of the internet, what do you guys think of Blue Ruin? This was the first time I had seen the movie, and, um... Yeah, I just saw it. You just saw it, like, today? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> first yeah. impressions. Yeah, first impressions. Yeah, first impressions. Hit it, Zach. I loved his character. I loved how he, like, didn't know, like really how to do things because like in most revenge stories like they're already a badass like grizzled guy like taken Liam Neeson kind of type this guy mm-hmm. was just like a normal guy seeming like he doesn't know how to shoot a gun and he's like scared but he knows he has to like mm-hmm. go through with it and I really like that um <clears throat> it was really somber compared to the other ones <laughs> even though I was like killing people but I don't know I liked it it was good I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's a sequel to Murder Party, <laughs> and where making Blair char- his character isn't the same person. It's a prequel, but the main character, which I know none of us well, knows well, that guy's in, name. In Murder Party, his face got burned off. Yeah, yeah but really good the main character surgery. though, just played by oh, he's like now. like but the character from Blue. I know, but uh, just for this, <laughs> the he like basically in like a year becomes broke living on the beach in a car he becomes Nick Blair's character in Blue Ruin and he is more grizzled than he was in Murder Party but he's still not a grizzled Liam Neeson or like you're never really here type um and, but that's why he's like <laughs> so awkward but he's very he's very uh he just does a lot of things like um not MacGyver but uh He's smart, I guess, mm-hmm. uh-huh. the, the character. I can't remember his name either. It's been like a year since I've seen Blue Ruin, but... Oh, I thought you were talking about MacGyver. <laughs> no, never seen MacGyver, actually. <laughs> but, I mean, I was going to say, though, I'm like, he is like a real smart dude. Yeah. Like, for, like... Because at first, when you're introduced to him, you're like, he's kind of just eating garbage, um, homeless and such, mm-hmm. and you're just like... Okay, what, what is this movie going to be about exactly? And then mm-hmm. you see the police officer, and all I was thinking, I was like, oh, just leave him alone. Is that what this is going to be about? Mm-hmm. And um, No, it kind of takes a different turn there, and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I was thrown off guard. Like, yeah. Then he starts doing things like he had the battery not hooked up to the car. He just pulled it out, and which I was like, oh, that's a good idea to mm-hmm. make sure it's saved and everything. And um, other things that he does throughout the movie, like... Uh, Steals a gun out of a car to shoot the handcuffs, or whatever. Or shoot... What is he shooting? What's he trying to get? He Oh, it's a lockbox with right, a gun in yeah. it, and he's trying to get the gun out, and he ends up getting the gun out of the box, but then he can't get the lock off the gun. Yeah. And then he, like, breaks the gun, trying to get the lock off the gun, I think, right? Yeah. Well, no, it's also like a... It's like so many um, trials and errors throughout this movie where you're like, oh, you think he's going to finally get towards something, and then, nah, he kind of fails here and there. Yeah. And um, it's the only movie that I can think of that utilizes a crossbow, and I guess it kind of makes sense why the guy has a crossbow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I guess he would want it maybe kind of quiet when they go and kill him as to why the other guy has a gun. I don't know, but <laughs> I was like, crossbows suck. And this is uh no not that they suck suck i'm saying that like getting hit by one must suck because i mean what two of his movies have guys getting shot with bow and arrow i'm i don't remember if green room does but i know that these other two do so uh screw that it looks painful i don't want any part of it yeah but <laughs> when he's digging that out 
in the car. Yeah, right. And I like, well, because that too, I that's what I mean. I like that it kind of does things that you don't expect always because just like Murder Party, the main character isn't this like heroic person that um, can do everything right, always gets lucky. Oh, well, he gets lucky mm-hmm. in Murder Party. So but, but it's played up for laughs. But this one, I feel like they take that same premise, but they actually kind of... Mm-hmm. Played up to be more, you know, just original. Because, mm-hmm. for instance, when that guy does try to take the arrow out himself, and you're like, "Oh, I've I've seen every movie like this before." You know, he can't go to the hospital because then he'll get in trouble. So mm-hmm. he's gonna be able to do it himself, even though it's crazy. Like no one would ever be able to do that. And no, he like he just messes up, and then he just goes to the hospital, and he's like, "Yeah, I have an issue with my leg; it just collapses." And I'm like. <laughs> well, that was pretty awesome. I didn't expect that he'd actually go to yeah. the hospital. Mm-hmm. Well, like, doesn't when he he catches up with the guy he's after, and he like goes into like like the bathroom, right? And doesn't he like steal a knife and knife him or something like that? I can't I can't remember a lot. But like, he mm-hmm. gets out to his car, and like the tires are flat, right? Well, he goes up to the car, and then his, he forgot he left the keys inside the house. Yeah, yeah that's then, right. But before that, he had already punctured the limo tires. Yeah, that's he right. was, And then he broke, yeah. he like cut his hand doing that because it blew the knife past him. Yeah. So then he goes to his car, but he's like, oh, I forgot the keys. So then he has to take the limo, yeah, but, but, he, he, already just, knifed the but tires. he just popped the tires. And, um, man. It's yeah. such good. And then that guy, making Blair, like wrote or helped write the movie he was like one of the writers well he was a producer i believe this one was just solely written by jeremy saunier um but yeah he was he was involved in like murder party he was involved as a producer level so i'm Mm -hmm. guessing whatever if he's helping with the writing maybe he is no i thought i thought he was I'm, i'm wrong he uh he helped produce it yeah and Oh, there's just other smart things he does in the movie. Like, he'll, he'll break into people's houses, but he'll only do it to, like, take a shower, mm-hmm. shave up, just kind of chill for a while, and then he'll just leave. And I'm like, I kind of like that. That's, you know what, this movie makes me think being homeless is possible. <laughs> I could go do it. If I could just do that, I'd break into people's houses just to use things quick, not to, you know, rob your shit. So I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you also find out throughout the movie, you know, why he's, I guess, homeless or what he's really going after and how his whole life was torn apart. And it's weird because we never... We don't see any flashbacks. We don't ever mm-hmm. see really any images... Which I like. Of his par- yeah, right. I like it that. Just it's a leaves, good style choice. It leaves a lot of it up to interpretation. And, um, you know, you. I guess you can just kind of imagine. I mean, we're from smaller areas and the whole um, situation that you end up finding out about later that his uh, dad was cheating on this other family's uh, well with this other family's mother Mm -hmm. uh and you know they're all kind of just tightly knit because of that that's how they're all tied together and there was a murder of the parents years earlier because of that same issue i mean seems like a lot of small town crap (laughs) (laughs) for sure but like on a darker level because in like Mm -hmm. actual murders involved you're like oh shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) but definitely uh yeah, I was just, like, really into the movie most of the way through. I would say the only part that I started to get kind of thrown off by was when he met his uh, friend, his old friend. Yeah. Who, the movie takes place in the South, mm-hmm. so part of it's like, okay, I guess people just go get guns and freely give away guns, and they're like, 
I, I guess that's how it is down in the south. You know, you got to defend yourself, you know, uh, get off my property, <laughs> um, right to bear arms, stuff like that. But it seemed very strange that all these years later, his friend would be very quick to help him and yeah, give him a gun protect his friend and everything and it's like you don't even know the situation like this dude just came out of your friend's trunk how do you know that he's not the one being victimized well here this is the way i've been thinking about it is it's it's weird it seems unreal like like just not believable but when i think about it it seems not believable from a movie standpoint because no other movie treats scenes like that that way Mm -hmm. but thinking about floodwood and how we grew up (laughs) i can see so many not of our friends but some of some people older than us i won't name names but i can think of a couple people that i feel like if i did that if i showed up that way they would 100 percent act that exact way true and like it seems you're talking the friend yeah. Yeah. Like just was he like talking about was guns? Was he in the and... war or something? Like why was he? Well, they didn't really ever explicitly say. I don't think so. I think he's just he's one just, of those guys. But it's weird because then he's like, "Have you ever killed people?" He's like, "Two on purpose," and I'm like, "That's weird." Like, <laughs> does he even seem believable? Yeah. It was good to see. It was good to see Buzz from Home Alone in something. Huh? Is that him? Yeah. That's oh, him. that's what I, that's. Well, I don't know why it was that because it totally <laughs> makes the movie way it totally better. <laughs> makes sense now. Like thinking of that, like, that, is, wow, that totally oh, it's in the Home Alone universe. <laughs> <laughs> he like Buzz moved down to the south. He killed what's 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 frick? What's his? He killed Kevin on purpose, and that's why he's like that's why he's like growing up and living on his own. Yeah, that would be a great like. Or maybe maybe he killed. The Wet Bandits. Those were the two on purpose. Buzz. Oh, Kevin, buzz. You idiot. This is how you do yeah. it. This is the Home Alone 3 we did. We're going to get another movie called yeah. Buzz Woof Woof, A uh, Home Alone Story. And they it's like done a, a Home Alone with Buzz. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's it's Buzz Woof Woof, A Home Alone Story. Buzz Woof Woof. <laughs> but it all... It... it <laughs> It's a part of me that's like it's it goes a little too far, but like I also could definitely relate to it. Mm-hmm. Um, those type of friends, and I guess there's also this sense that that family, everyone kind of knows they're the bad family of the area. So yeah. I, I guess there's that too. Um, has a small town feel, even though it it goes many miles. Mm-hmm. The movie it travels yeah. many miles. At least six. Yeah, and um, I mean the ending anyway. Though, what did you? Th- think of that it wasn't really a twist that the whole movie was like leaning on it was more just i felt like it was like a last second drop i definitely figured he was gonna die i didn't think he was gonna end up like in jail no i i like that part of it i mean because it wasn't like a uh if i remember right it's kind of like spoilers here but for the departed right that's where i I remember feeling Yeah, it's a kid from Green Room, I guess. That's the only other movie I remember that kid from. But the kid lives, and he... Because that's his half-brother. He says it's yeah. the brother. He says that that's <clears throat> the one that, you know, your mom slept with my dad, and that's the child. And mm-hmm. he figured that out. But I don't think it was really discussed before, mm-hmm. but like I said, it wasn't really a twist that I thought the whole movie was leaning on. Yeah. It was kind of saved as like a surprise, and that's the reason he doesn't kill him. I, I think there's other reasons was, why he doesn't kill him also. He was the kid that was in the limo, right? Right. Yeah. I think the 
a theme that's kind of ran through a lot of his movies is the morality of killing and um if you're in the right to mm-hmm. kill someone if said just, person deserves it. You think he just What's actually fair? really wants to kill people? But Jeremy saw it. <laughs> I think he just talks about like, like the senselessness of killing or just like people just dying for no reason. Like, that's just like... What if he's actually like a murderer? It can be a... I th- yeah, I think he's just showing like, <laughs> hey, all this can be avoided, but people just suck, man. I don't know. I, I think it's really just like about like, do certain people deserve <laughs> it? And if they don't or if you do something um what's your punishment i guess i I don't know it's it it seems like that's something that kind of goes through his movie and murder party it was there too but it was on a you know humorous level yeah but here it made a lot more sense I, i it to me felt like um since the main character kills that man at the beginning of the movie but discovers pretty much right away that he didn't even murder Mm -hmm. his parents it was actually the father who did and that guy took the fall um then later in the movie he takes on the whole family but he decides that they need to die because he needs to protect his sister but he kind of had no intention of living himself because i i don't know to me it felt like because he had killed that other person mm-hmm. his half brother didn't really feel like killing him because he hadn't really killed anybody in the movie mm-hmm. he seemed like um a person with sense a person who had a morality to him mm-hmm. who could kind of even when he was in that limo he kind of understood why that guy killed the other guy he was like makes sense but you know i don't know if he did it but you know see mm-hmm. you later <laughs> yeah maybe he was happy to just be left alive so <clears throat> Just, I think there was like a lot of aspects like that that, you know, I think are meant to challenge the audience about the morality of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, it's intense. I just do think, you know, by the third act, it does start to slow down a little. It's not nearly as like rapid fire as it is in the beginning. Like the beginning of the movie is cut so well and mm-hmm. is leading to the kind of a mystery that isn't really there you know mm-hmm. we get to like the third act and it's like the third oh there's a, a lot of waiting right <laughs> just sitting there. and i kind of dig that too like that it is sort of a you know he's like leading a very small battalion of himself and like setting yeah. up the barricades and he's reflecting on it you know and he's like he's he's taking time to process it as it's happening right and um so i like that part of it uh but like I said, it's just not as rapid fire as the rest of the movie is. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if it'll hold up on other viewings, but still, really, really solid movie. Mm-hmm. We didn't give ratings for Murder Party. Oh, should we should do that and then give a rating for Blue Ruin. Four out of five for five Murder stars. Party. Five out of five? five. <laughs> I give Murder Party a four star. Probably four and a half. Ooh. Okay. So we have eight, eight, or eight, eight, nine, and ten out of ten. Yeah, want to double that too? Um, yeah. 16, 16. <laughs> <laughs> 18, 20? Okay. 18, 20. Um, and then uh, bl- uh, Blue Ruin, um, mm-hmm. three and a half? Yeah, three and a half yeah. out of five. I'm going to give it three and a half. I'm give it three and a half. I gave it a four. <clears throat> um, just because that's when his cinematography kind of really kicks in. And he did the cinematography for it, which is neat. Um, but, uh, yeah, writing-wise, having seen Green Room and then Murder Party and then this, I just really, I don't, very, it's, 
a movie that's 100% unpredictable, you know? Like I said, that twist ending, I guess, throughout the movie, I thought he would end up back at the beach with that car, you know? With that same blue car, that's why it would be called Blue Ruin. Mm-hmm. And you're, like, he doesn't. <laughs> but <gasps> Is that why it's called that? Oh. That's the only thing I can think of, is oh, that's, that's that car. Point. It's just yeah. this corroded blue it's funny because like yeah all the other titles i was like i could figure this out mm-hmm. i mean murder party jesus i wonder but like yeah. blue ruin i was like i wonder i wonder why it's but i guess that's a good one that's mm-hmm. yeah um you know when we get the green party you guys are all gonna have more to say than i do so um green party green party green room murder room you know what if you mix them all together it's all yeah. one universe <laughs> green room 2015 starring the late anton Yelkin. Mm. I'm pretty sure it's Yelkin. Oh, you know what? Maybe Justin has done more research than you guys on something, huh? Do we need to watch more interviews of how to pronounce people's you names? You can, but I already did when I did my Smurfs reviews, so I actually... <laughs> I, I, I thought it was Yelkin, um, but, you know. So you're saying it's not Yelkin? I'm saying it is! You said you thought it was Yelkin. No, I'm pretty sure it's Anton Yelkin. Um, I, Yelchin might be it. I don't know. It would make more sense. It is a CA. Yum, yum. There you go. Anyway, Green, green Room. What do you What do you guys think of that? It's one of like Hunter's favorite movies. Yeah, one of my favorite. Top ten for sure. Mm-hmm. Love it's, it. In, I think it's number two on my top ten. Really? Yeah. Whoa. It's so All good. All time. It's definitely it's number two on my favorite horror movies of all time, which mm. is quite similar to my regular top ten. Zach. <laughs> hmm? What are your thoughts on Green Room? <clears throat> it's good. <laughs> How good? Sorry, didn't catch that. How good is it, Zach? <laughs> it, it's, it's really good. It's really good? Yeah. What's, your, what's that in stars? Uh, it's like four good stars. <laughs> four good stars. Yeah, and like one regular star. And then it's another. So yeah. five. It's a five. No, right? no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Okay. Cool. In in regular stars. No. I can't die here. So don't. I've always wanted to learn more about the band that was playing in the background of American History X, so I'm glad this movie finally gave us that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm also glad that they gave uh, Patrick Stewart, who is in fact bald, and they're like, hey, you know, you're bald. You want to play a skinhead? And he's like, sure. <laughs> so <laughs> I... He like searched yeah. out this role. Like, I heard, I can't remember where, I think... Where I want to play a damn but skinhead! He, he was like, I guess, like on a flight somewhere, and he had, I don't know, if he has multiple screenplays where he was reading. I don't know how actors do the thing, but I guess he read the screenplay, and immediately wherever he was traveling to, as soon as he got on the ground, he turned around and went back to go and either audition for it or call someone and said, "Hey, I want to be this," and they just gave it to him, or what? But basically, that's he found the role and and sought it out. He wanted to be that character. He wanted to be. Uh, Patrick Stewart is crazy. <laughs> you think he's actually crazy? Like I just, as a person, I think he's kind of nuts. I guess kind I'm of never... a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're saying he's a Nazi? No, I did... <laughs> he is a Nazi. Have you ever seen the video of him like teaching people how to do like double takes <laughs> and triple takes? No. <laughs> quadruple takes. <laughs> That's all he does is shake his head back and forth. He's doing takes like mm. double take. Oh, okay. And then he's like, and then the quadruple take, and he goes like, 
<laughs> he does I'm it four sure, times. I'm pretty sure he's like smoked some dope. I think he was high. Like yeah, that sure video was, was because he was high off yeah. his ass. I think like some. So I listened to a podcast today, guys. Wow. <laughs> the wow. AFA list put out a video What's about a this. This one was about uh, a comparison between Taxi Driver and Joker. And they were talking about how some actors in Hollywood be like to avoid people asking about their personal lives, they just try to be crazy on purpose. So like they talk about Shia LaBeouf and uh, Joaquin Phoenix and how like they just they try and do pranks all the time to try and keep the spotlight off of their personal life, and they'd rather just be a character and whatever. I'm wondering if that's like a Patrick Stewart thing. That's a good excuse to be crazy. <laughs> he's yeah. not like crazy. He's just like. A zany old he's guy. Weird. A nutsy. Yeah, he's I don't know if I like him for lack of better words, a nutsy. <laughs> I think it was real good casting on their part to put him in this movie because he mm. is such a, a calming figure for mm-hmm. <laughs> a skinhead. And, you know, like, because, you know, you associate skinheads with anger, prejudice, things like that. Star you, Trek. You, you kind of get a simplistic view of, of what a neo-nazi is and this movie i mean yeah it's not like they're trying to sympathize with them or anything no they are the bad guys of the movie they're terrible um but i like that patrick stewart's kind of uh, portrayed as like this smart dude is like no we need to do this and do that to make sure the evidence here is covered up you need to go do this and he's just kind of giving out orders but he's being mm-hmm. real smart about it like a commander of of a of an army or something, and he's just real smart about everything. But he's also calming; like you'd almost trust him. Mm-hmm. It's like the kindly old man who, um, you know, he's still hanging out with the cool kids, and uh, you, you, I feel like you would trust him, especially in that like intense scene where mm-hmm. they're locked inside of the room and they're trying to get him out and they're trying to work something out and yeah. you know they think oh it, it'll be fine to open the door but both sides kind of have a different idea of what they're going to do and uh yeah that those it's moments like that I really dig in the movie not mm-hmm. so much the second half of the movie when it just kind of becomes the chase but mm-hmm. that opening stuff I got really into um dive into it let me know more. So you, I, I know we've talked about it before, and you've seen it one time, right? Yep. And you know, I, I, I love this movie more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to know, <laughs> I guess, like why you don't like it as much as I do. And I don't why? mean that to be like, what's wrong with you? But like, I genuinely want to know, like, what doesn't hold up for you, I guess. Um, because I want to know if I'm just kidding myself. <laughs> like if I just <laughs> I don't have think you're kidding yourself. On. You know, it, I think this is just literally one of those movies where it. I think it's just stuff that just doesn't click with me. It's stuff okay. that I don't dig as much. Mm-hmm. I don't really like screamo punk music like like mm-hmm. this. I I don't like that kind of music. Mm-hmm. So there's one, th- and I know that's not what the movie's about. But also, yeah. I'm not a big fan of the kind of very sad. Um, dry tone to it all. Mm-hmm. I um, it it it, like I said, the beginning of it is so good, and I feel mm-hmm. like the setup of everything is so good, and it becomes like, um, they're on one side of the door, someone's on the other side of the door, and they need to figure out what each other are thinking and how they're gonna get out of this. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're kind of thinking in your head, 
oh, maybe you're thinking kind of for both sides and what each side will do without thinking of the fact like, oh, these are neo-Nazis, so they probably will just mm-hmm. kill them. <laughs> I guess, but I don't. I don't know what are their links. I mean, they killed that girl, and we kind of don't really know why um, at that point, anyway. Mm-hmm. So, like that stuff's really good. But like I said, I think it is just kind of the second half of it where it just kind of becomes a big chase. Which it's yeah, like a horror movie, of course. You know, mm-hmm. I love horror movies and I love stuff like that. It's just like not my particular like I guess favorite thing. Um, but I mean, like, I don't know, tell me about because, like, maybe there's something I'm, like, missing. I've only seen it the one time, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't get, like, too into it after that. After that, yeah. I was like, yeah, this is, it's okay, and it wrapped up the way it did. I, it has been, like, a year since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I know that it ends with, like, Patrick Stewart getting cornered and everything in the vehicle. Um, so, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, and I really like Anton Yelkin or Yelchin, however yeah. you want to say his name. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I've always really liked him as an actor, so mm-hmm. I was glad that he kind of got a role where he was the main lead and, mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways, took over certain parts of the movie. Yeah, because the only other lead he's ever been is what Charlie Bartlett. It's the only thing I can think of that he was like the lead in. Yeah, because um, yeah, everything else I've seen him and he's it's minimal like stuff. Star Trek or like right, yeah. Smurfs, <laughs> Smurfs. Yeah, which I haven't seen. But you know, I you know when I said my Smurfs review, I even said in that movie he's good. He's he actually plays, yeah. he plays um, Papa Smurf. No, uh, I would no Smurfette. Uh, he plays uh, clumsy. He plays clumsy Smurf. Yeah. So I don't. I think he's good. Not even. But Green Room. Obviously, he's really good. But what do you guys see in it that I'm missing? What is it about the movie I'm missing besides the horror aspects of it all? Because I don't even know if I really see it as like a horror movie most of the time. I just kind of see yeah, it. Yeah, after thinking about it, I think it is, to me, more of a thriller. But it's so, yeah. it's like one of the most horrifying thrillers I've ever mm. seen. So, it's not a... It doesn't fit in with a horror genre as much as it does a thriller genre. But it is a... If horror movie is defined by a movie that horrifies you, it is. So, um obviously i love the stuff about you know hardcore punk in there um i love the just the social commentary on nazis versus people who are in a band to speak out against fascism um and i i I love that whole part but at the end of the day what really gets me excited for the movie is the story is a incredibly well written story, I think, because the the movie is about yeah the band who they you know stumble play a show, they stumble upon a murder, they're not allowed to leave, and they try to get out. But as they go, they find out why the murder happened, yeah, and it keeps trace getting traced back. But it's so the story reveals itself in the most subtle and hidden ways through like the least amount of words possible, and so like it's like the least Christopher Nolan movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and to still leave a one of the biggest it's not trying to say anything but it says so much about it too you know um, but then you add on the punk rock stuff on top of it and so I'm gonna See, eat I, that I, right I, up I'd be with Justin on it like it, I wouldn't be that into it like I, I like punk rock and I like I like thrillers but I don't know it, it would just be like an A movie but the subtle like little details that eventually form like this bigger like the mystery coming together and like you finding out throughout it just mm-hmm. like with the little things 
uh, really makes the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. So that that's one of the reasons, or like the main reason why I like it so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for me, honestly, it's probably the practical effects and how horrifying some of these scenes are. Mm-hmm. Like the, the dogs. F- <laughs> the dogs when she just like. The very first instance of gore when the girl just like unzips the dude's stomach. Yeah. Horrifying, and I loved every second of it. It's so good. It's so well done, and like, she's it's subtle, but like, in your mm-hmm. face at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like the dogs, huge. Like, like you're like, oh, the dogs are coming. That's gonna show like an off-screen thing where you just see like the end of the dog, like the. The, the top of its back, you know, and like, no, whoa, he mm-hmm. ripped that guy's throat off, yeah. you know? That really happened. Like, for me, one of the most <laughs> that really happened. <laughs> they actually did that. <laughs> it's all eight, eight, maybe, from Arrested Development. <laughs> um, when the, uh, what, I think his name is Tiger Claw. Tiger Claw. <laughs> um, the, uh, the drummer, he climbs through, uh, he climbs out a window. And then just gets like knifed in the back, yeah. and you like actually see him getting stabbed. the sound of it, and like yeah, it's like you can hear it—not just like piercing meat, but like hitting bone, mm-hmm. and like yeah, man, like it's so <laughs> raw and just terrifying. You're like, I'm never gonna crawl through a window ever, yeah. <laughs> for no reason. I will never do that for any reason. I think and, what I really yeah. like about Jeremy Saulnier is he's really good at writing. Um, like really realistic and believable characters mm. and he's really good at keeping his scenes really believable with the exception of murder party like a lot of it mm-hmm. is like maybe that could happen and then mm-hmm. the rest of it is crazy but like green room that could happen and it's mm-hmm. terrifying it that feels that could happen. so placed in reality mm-hmm. that, that you're like that that's when you hear like weird you know like i don't want to say like a mass shooting but like like when you, when you see like a, a headline that's like florida man does this this is like the kind of movie i'm picturing oh blue ruin would be a better example i guess of like florida man yeah. <laughs> but um yeah it's so just grounded in reality mm-hmm. um but the, i for the writing credit too like i think this is one of the most cool stories ever written too and so the respect i have for the writers is Jeremy and whoever else, I guess. I don't know who else wrote it, but um, it just seems like such an incredibly well-crafted movie in terms of writing, but yeah, I, don't, I could talk about this movie all night. I could unpack every every scene. Like, <laughs> Imogen Poots, the, the uh, Nazi girl that ends up basically joining their side, she's like one of my favorite female... She's probably my favorite female character in a horror movie, if, if we're going to say it, like... Yeah, she un- unzips the other Nazi. And then, like, I think my favorite scene in, in Green Room is when uh, they're trying to lure in the Nazis into the room. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anton Yelchin, like, draws on his face and he's, like, says something about Odin himself and then uh, jumps down into, like, the, the cocaine or the heroin lab. And uh, Imogen Poots, like, climbs out of the couch <laughs> it's, so good. it's like the coolest scene ever mm-hmm. you just see like the, this like young nazi kid and he's like did you get him can you see him and then you see her like 
oh man it's like the there's not a better underdog moment in all of film history and i really like how that scene was framed because like the frame was just big enough to where like you could see her without the camera having to move Mm -hmm. but it wasn't super obvious what was going to happen i was like okay she has to be somewhere but Mm -hmm. i don't know where until she started crawling out and i was like whoa it's also like if you're probably watching jeremy sonny's movies in order (laughs) because like the the main character might be like really smart coming out with a cool idea but like weird crap happens like he gets shot with a crossbow anyway um she's crawling out of the couch and you're like crap like she could step she's probably gonna hear a creak and this plan isn't gonna work Mm -hmm. but no she just straights up like just kills him no problem but then like as like the guys down in the lab trying to kill her or trying to kill anton they're like counting bullets how many bullets they got left and she's like throwing dead bodies down in there to try and get them to shoot at them and like shooting the fire extinguisher and they're doing everything they can and they still just barely get him in the end. And <clears throat> I love this. I love this movie. It's so good. Five out of five. Whoa. Same. Five out of five. Four. I'd say it's a perfect movie. A masterpiece, oh, if ever there was one. Three <laughs> out of five. I'm sorry. Oh. But like I said, it's just... Two fives, a four, and a three? I don't know. It's just because it doesn't... So that, that's how much you like it, though, right? Is a three-star. Yeah. Do you think, in terms of filmmaking quality, what would be, like, your star rating? Filmmaking quality? I don't yeah. know. He, every one of his movies is shot really well. Has a really distinct tone from one another. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, you can kind of tell that he's behind all these movies at the mm-hmm. same time save except murder party because mm-hmm. it just looks like it's, so it's much more of like a documentary look to that one uh mm-hmm. well with a, a fa- like a found footage look i mean with the kind of camera with no yeah, it was like a camcorder with good direction yeah there's no tripods or anything really, involved, really oh murder party yeah it's just okay. kind of a free no, roaming, green room i'm like no free roaming <laughs> camera <laughs> amazing cinematography <laughs> no like there's things like there's so much about green room that i do like but it's just after i watched it i just didn't mm-hmm. it, it was a movie that just kind of made me feel empty at the end which i don't know i it's just because it was one that I was kind of thinking the whole time about, like, the outside forces of this, which made me believe in it less, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't find it that realistic to a point. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, I mean, even Blue Ruin, which is sort of the same thing, where it's this um, situation going on between very few characters. Mm-hmm. And it's stuff that, like, wow, if the police just showed up or if they were called, this mm-hmm. situation could be completely different. Um, but with that movie, it, to me, made a lot more sense why outside forces didn't interact. And it yeah. kind of helped the movie work, too, uh, for the final moments and such. But this movie, I was more like, I don't know. I feel like people... I know they live on the road and they live in the van, so I guess nobody would be really looking for them, but... I don't know. It was, there was just like a lot of it where I was. I, I almost maybe want to watch it again to kind of mm-hmm. be like, all right, why exactly did they take this job at the um, at mm-hmm. the neo Nazi ranch? What's that well, all here, about? <laughs> can I talk about it a little bit? Yeah, I mean, like, like I've never toured. My band's never toured, but I know a bit about what that's like, and it's from their standpoint, like like their interview with that kid who's also in Blue Ruin. Um, that's where a lot of that first stuff 
takes place explaining how they do their stuff. Like, he talks about, he's like, you guys don't have any social media presence. Why? And they're like, oh, because it's punk rock to not be on social media. So they're, yeah, they're on, a, on the road for an indefinite amount of time. They have one phone that gets taken immediately. And they don't have social media presence, so no one's expecting their band to go anywhere. They were just going to head home and siphon gas along the way because they have no money. And he's like, all right, I got a show lined up. It's unfortunately for at a neo-Nazi camp. But you kind of have to understand that, like, that is a very common thing. Not only just to play shows wherever you can get them, but, like, neo-Nazi compounds, or even if you're just going to call it, like, alt-right um, groups. groups groups are, like, yeah. so real. And so the, the kind of music that they're playing isn't, like, screamo. Um, they scream, but, like, screamo means, like, they do scream, but it's, like, emotional music. This is, like, the opposite. It's, like, it's considered hardcore punk because it's, like, just angry, and it's just about politics, and it's just about being angry, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> fascists, their type of music is that. It's just music about being angry. They want to see change. It's different change than everyone else wants, or even that the rest of punk rock wants, but that's their go-to type of music is is a uh, hardcore punk essentially so playing the same style of music they don't usually those compounds or those groups don't care who come they like other nazi bands to come in mm-hmm. but they're also just there for the show you know right. it's all it's just another friday night for them really because it's not like everyone in the compound is out to kill them it's just the people who will run the joint who are running the heroin operation you know yeah so no, that, that that part of it makes sense yeah um I, I guess maybe watching it with that kind of lens, maybe mm-hmm. it would be kind of a different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, or like Blue Ruin, like I wonder what that movie is like to people who didn't grow up in a small town like we all did. Mm-hmm. What's that like to someone who's only ever lived in downtown New York? <laughs> you yeah. know, that movie probably is like, this is unbelievable. This is like nothing. This will never happen. Mm-hmm. But to us, we're like, oh yeah, I definitely have seen. I have <laughs> definite <laughs> friends like that guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll watch it again um, at some point. I mean, I'd like to, of course, watch all his movies again mm-hmm. because he, well, I mean, most of his movies. I don't know. Should we just get into that next one? I, I, yeah. But we could keep talking about Green Room, too. I mean, you want to do a whole episode on it, but. Um, I could keep talking about it. I don't know if anyone else have anything else to throw on, I guess. No. Just that Patrick it's Stewart a good movie. was very good. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Every actor in this movie is so mm-hmm. good, man. So good. Like,. Blue Ruin is great. This one's great. What's so um, Edgar Wright? The trilogy he has, I can never remember the name the of Cornetto the trilogy. The Cornetto trilogy. Okay, mm-hmm. three very different movies that aren't connected. connected, but they have the same theme, the same gags, the same characters, and a lot of them. I pray and hope that Jeremy Sonia comes out with a third, like. The, the color trilogy or whatever like the spectrum trilogy or something that like is like another like I want Hold the Dark to be the end of his <laughs> run the Macon Bacon trilogy yeah the Macon uh, you know just where it's a him in it maybe not starring but like a you know red October <laughs> you know uh, something where it's that style because Blue Ruin and Green Room, are, the cinematography is so similar. The way the story is written, the pacing of it is just... Purple Rain. Brilliant. 
and different <laughs> Purple Rain. Um, that would be funny if you just remade that movie. I'd be like, yeah. that doesn't seem like you, but okay, I'll, I'll go with it. I just I would love it if he, you know, I hope he make, continues to make movies. I don't know what's on his docket. No, but Hold the Dark will be his final movie. No. What's outside those windows? It gets in you. Find it. Kill it. It can't be. Let's talk about it now. Okay. Hold the tart. Black Klansman. Here we go. <laughs> I wish we'd be talking Green about Legend. that. Mm-hmm. Here we go. One thing. This is it. My review. I don't get it. I didn't either. I, I don't get the movie. It's a no. super deep movie that I wish I had more time. Like, I wish I'd been able to watch it multiple times before this because it definitely is a movie that needs multiple watches. I, I zoned out after the first 20 minutes and just started playing my Switch. <laughs> I don't I don't think... <laughs> I th- playing in the background. I, th- I think it thinks it's deep, but I don't get it. Like, maybe there's something I'm missing with this movie. Progressively, as his movies have gone along, I feel like... Because at Murder Party, I was with him throughout the entire thing. <laughs> like, I... Because, like I said, that is my favorite of his movies, and I was like, I knew what he was doing f- like from the beginning, mm-hmm. and I was like with it till the end. And each of his movies is kind of, and it's funny because it even goes down to um, how much of the f- ending of the movie. Because like the next one, uh, Blue Ruin, it was like on oh, the third act, kind of started to fall apart for me. Green Room, it was like the kind of almost half of the movie fell apart. Okay, this movie so was I, like okay. the first few scenes. So, I was like, okay, okay but then so uh, I have a I have a theory about that. So in each three prior movies, you you have that main character that you're following throughout the whole thing, and you care about. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about anyone in Hold the Dark. Who is the main character of this movie? Because if your answer I'm, is I don't know, that's my answer. I have no I w- idea. I would say it's the the guy who shows up. Yeah. Well, um, what's his name? Something right. Jeremy yeah. right. It's something from. He's the guy from Mute. Um, the guy from the, the guy Hunger Games trilogy. I thought he was Lawrence Fishburne, but no. Is he in the Hunger Games? Yeah, he 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 Alexander plays Skarsgård. No, that was Jeffrey no. Wright. Jeffrey. Jeffrey Wright, that's his name. Oh, you're talking about the that guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he said shows up halfway through the movie. I thought. No, I didn't say that. Yeah, someone did. I oh. said the guy that shows up. Okay, I thought you meant him. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey I kind of was yeah. like, if anybody is the main character, I guess it's him. But even he's on all the posters. <laughs> right. Here's the thing. Okay, I'll, I'll even. But I didn't care about him. Is the thing. I cared about mm-hmm. the guy from Murder Party. I cared about uh, the guy from Blue Ruin. I cared about. Uh, I already forgot the actor's name. <laughs> what Anton Yelkin? Anton yeah. Yelkin. Yeah. I cared about him. As he he was. Technically, he was on the covers, but really, I think it was the band. They tried to give everyone well, equal I cared time. About, I cared about the band. Yeah. I think it, they gave they him more time because he's hunt, the big name actor, but... Hunter, there's one that's much more well-known of that group. How dare... You know, he died, so how dare you? What? Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, I know, but what do you mean, how dare I? Oh, I'm, how dare you? He is the main character. He is. Though, I'm, I'm but I'm saying... <laughs> they tried... <laughs> you you know were speechless. You're like, I mean, what? I, I cared about all those characters. <laughs> right. I thought I meant Sir Patrick Stewart for some reason. This yeah. movie, I didn't care about <laughs> like, anybody. I even cared about Patrick Stewart in that movie. I didn't care about anyone in this movie. You know who I cared about in this movie? I cared about the cop who was like, no, don't. I felt really bad for him. That was about it. That was really sad. That was was like, like, but even that, I was like, okay, I started getting kind of confused there because, okay, we can just kind of go from a technical side. I'll just, I'll say this. This movie is written by 
Macon Blair, who was the actor in his previous movies. He's even in this movie. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Saulnier wrote all his other movies. Mm-hmm. He did not write this one. Mm-hmm. It was written by friend, producer, guy who's been showing up in all the movies. Mm-hmm. And it has a different feel. You can tell from... Mm-hmm one very obvious thing which is it doesn't focus on one character every other of his movies the main character has been in the movie a majority of the time Mm -hmm. as you say with green room it's mostly the band but even then very few times are we not with the band there's very few times where we're just with like patrick stewart for instance but this movie it's kind of following two storylines there's the one going on with the father and there's the one going on with jeffrey wright in an extension, the wife's story and such. Mm-hmm. And so that alone, it's like, okay, you're kind of getting a different movie out of that because it's a different writing style. It's a completely different kind of setup. Mm-hmm. And then maybe that was my like first issue because it's like, I just didn't think that kind of story worked as well. But also, yeah, like you said, I just didn't care most of the time. I was like, okay, even when the movie began, it was it was one of those movies that as soon as it began, I was like, I'm not going to be into this, am I? That's how I felt. Because it was like, like it was so bleak. Oh, and my slow. my son was taken by the wolves, and I was like, that's what this movie's about. Well, <laughs> and not that just, like it was just those. I don't know when the when there's movies with those like random shots of just like the house and it's bleak. I'm already like in a bad mood about it. Really? <laughs> and I've seen movies I've like this before, where it's that. like where it takes place Give in the winter, and it's like meant to be kind of dreary, like this, and you know, it's kind of putting you in that atmosphere mm-hmm. of what's actually like to live there. So I get that. Unless they ramp it up, which they didn't. Uh, I, I don't. I'm gonna lose interest right away. What's uh? Unless they can hook me within the first half hour of the movie. The movie with uh, it's Jeremy Renner and the Mary, the, the Olsen sister from from also Avengers. I know who you're talking. About. Huh? What was it called? It was like Into the Something or the Will the, yeah. the Wilder People. No, <laughs> no I forgot what you look it up. But then I know what um, you're talking about. It is that, that it is similar movie, to that. It's very similar, right? But. A great movie. Have you seen? Did you watch it? I have not seen it, it's but really Hansel good. Gretel but it's very Hunters. similar. It's very similar in like opens on like this wintry oh, landscape. The only I think the only thing that keeps most people in on it is that oh Jeremy Renner's in it. You know, it's the one that came out like last year, right? No, a couple years ago. I think maybe I'm wrong. Um, it's the snowy one. It is a snowy one. Wind River. Seen, right, yeah. It's called. Yeah, there we go. Um, I've seen posters for it. Yeah. Uh. Wow, but I, li- I like I like the gray with Liam Neeson. I, I, I haven't like seen that, movie. and I've heard nothing but hate for it. So I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Seen Iron Will. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I eight below. I don't know. Alaska just seems like a wait. Place oh, to live. Slow down. <laughs> eight below. I'm kidding. Love that movie. Really? <laughs> Paul Walker. Yeah. Actually, good. I have it up. Good movie. Actually, <laughs> actually a good actor. I enjoy that. Miles? Paul Walker was a good actor. Yeah. Like, it's a good movie. He. Oh, can we do a Paul Walker podcast one day? Isn't that with the guy from he was American only, Pie? Like, in, nah, he was the Fast uh, and Furious guy. Jason. No, the guy. <laughs> yeah, his friend though, and uh, it was the guy from American Pie. Is he? What? I think so. You know, it? it has been a couple years. Um, but we're getting very off. But keep going. <laughs> Eight Mile. But we're talking Eminem. about. But we're talking about like movies that take place in Alaska because yeah. that is kind of what yeah. a lot of this premise is. Insomnia. You know, kind of give it. I got that Juno. kind of feeling. But <laughs> just kidding. 
I don't know, it seemed like a very obvious thing, too, where it was like, ah, living in the cold and in an area that's dark at Mm -hmm. weird times of the day will drive you crazy. And I'm like, well, there we go. Yeah. Oh, that is a good Is that in Alaska? No, it's like Michigan. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. But the same kind of look, though. Anyway, keep going. (laughs) Um, So? Well, yeah, I don't know. What, what, What did you guys think this movie was about? Like, can you give me, a like, an idea? My favorite, so there was a review, and my favorite description of it is brutally murdering furries in Alaska. (laughs) I, you know, I heard the furries thing too, because they're like, there was another review on Letterboxd, and it was like, I'm pretty sure Jeremy Saulnier just takes a a dart. That's the one you read? Yeah, yeah, he throws a dart at a map, and then he just throws it at an idea, and he's like, furries in Alaska! On all levels except physical. I am a wolf. <laughs> I, but, yeah, I don't, I don't, but, it's like, okay, so we, we get introduced to the dad, who is in, uh, and this movie th- takes place not in present time, correct? Mm-hmm. It takes place a couple years Late ago. 90s, early 2000s? Because I, I think it's meant to Desert be right Shore? after Iraq, the Iraq war starts, because it's supposed to be Iraq, mm-hmm. and... I think there's supposed to be some kind of semblance of symbolism there about... Oh, yeah, because the language is like, well, we're at war. So it must have been when people are first real. using language. like At the time that we thought we were. It so I think that's why the movie's taken. But the, like, the, the pointlessness of the Iraq war and um, kind of the whole idea around that, how we just kind of went up inside their grill and just shot the place up. Mm-hmm. And then like there's that scene... Because we're introduced to this father who I feel like is meant to be sort of the uh, twisted but morally good person because he goes and kills that guy. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And then he's you know sent home after he gets shot. Um, shot in the neck the same way that that guy in Blue Ruin is. Not saying there's a connection, but mm-hmm. apparently he likes to shoot people in the neck like that. Um, well, it also happens at the end of this movie, too. Right. Oh, yeah, yep, there you go. So he <laughs> loves to shoot people in the neck. I know. Uh, I think three times in this movie. He also loves to show shots of people of what it actually looks like to get shot in the face, which I, I kind of enjoy because I'm like, wow, that is probably what a person so would good. actually look like. Whole, like, like in Blue Ruin, it happened real quick. Mm-hmm. That's um, my and, favorite part of this movie. <laughs> but here, then he does that, and you're like, okay, so morally good person, but then he arrives in Alaska, and he's like killing all the policemen and so is his friend his friend brings up earlier that you know his own son was taken by the wolves and like that the police kind of did nothing about it and I feel weird about that because I'm like I don't really know what they're trying to say are they trying to say oh the police don't care enough about them so then here let me shoot you all too I just didn't understand the friend's point I didn't understand this friend at all and that shootout scene was great. I, I, I think that was all my review was. It was like an extra half star for the shootout scene because mm-hmm. that is, I think, one of the best um, shootout scenes ever because that was just like exhilarating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was just on a pure entertainment level. Everything else about it, I was like, why, why are we doing this? Do you want to go? Sure. Because um, I have a theory too, but I think you also have one. So. Yeah, I do. So... They were just kind of thrown in there, but there were a couple native people that were talking about, like, the spirits of the wolves and, like, how the mom, like, would shed her skin and, like, become one with the wolves or whatever. 
So I kind of took that as, in, like, the friend's perspective, like, when he was talking about how his son was taken by wolves and, like, I don't remember. Did the friend hand the dad the gun when he shot? Okay. Yep. He also, when he was walking out of the airport, he handed him a knife. Mm Mm-hmm. So my theory is, like, the old old lady native woman, she knew crap was going down. And, like, she was saying when she was a young girl, the same thing happened. She said wolves, like, ripped everybody up. Mm-hmm. But my theory is that when they're talking about wolves, they're not always talking about the actual wolves. Like, they're talking about something that happens with the people in this village. And my theory was that... She knew this was going down, and so did the other guy, and he was egging it on, whereas she was just gonna, like, she knew it was happening, she knew she couldn't stop it, so she was just there. And, like, the mom and the dad were the main, like, people making it happen. I don't know. So here's here's my theory. It's, it's basically that. I'm gonna add on to it. Um, I think there's two stories going on side by side. And that's not including the main character, Jeffrey Wright. So I think what you're saying. So, like, Mm -hmm. there's something having to do with this darkness, you know, that's just encompassing, drives people crazy. Um, But there's Native people, so they're used to it in a way. You know, they've lived there forever. So um, there's that element. But with the language that she's using, plus what Jeffrey Wright's saying about wolves, I think what's happening is... The, the the husband and wife, mainly the wife, is, she calls her a, uh, or not her, but the policeman, the, the chief, chief of police is telling him, he's like, well, this is what they, everyone else doesn't count. They say she's a, a, a wolf demon priestess, um, whatever. And I think that's 100%, that's what she is. She's mm-hmm. a wolf demon, but sheds, I don't think she physically sheds skin, but I think yeah. she takes on the... Basically, a demon-ish, whatever spirit, and then she is—it's just in the fashion of a wolf. Mm-hmm. I think the husband also is, and I think they're in a pack. In terminology, I think the best friend is in a pack. I think that guy Shan, Mac and Blair's character, is also in the pack. Whatever. Jeffrey Wright saying, "Oh, when I found that group of wolves on the woods, they were eating their young." When times are tough, every once in a while, they'll eat their young as a way to stabilize the pack. I think, my theory, and this is not me saying the movie's good, (laughs) by the way, because I don't think it is. Um, I think the war, news of the war came, the husband left to go fight, the wife felt like the pack was unstable, or at least the marriage, especially during the time of crisis, she kills the son in order to get the husband's attention um she uses jeffrey wright for some reason i don't know why him in particular i think he she wanted him to come and kill her maybe i think she wanted jeffrey wright to kill her because Mm -hmm. she's saying well first he shows up the first night she gets naked Mm -hmm. and then crawls under the couch with him and then grabs his hand and starts choking her with his hand and he has to pull it away and then it shoots the next morning and they don't talk about it so that's <laughs> of, like, I, I think there's supposed to be a style choice but it doesn't make sense it, for uh, especially if it was Jeremy Saulnier's writing he wouldn't have it like that but anyway um, and then she disappears and she eventually wants to be found she kind of leaves a trail on purpose um, 
mm-hmm. and you know he just happens to find every dead person in the movie <laughs> he finds <laughs> the dead witch lady <laughs> husband you first see him he's he's on the back of a humvee and he's shooting um you know people from the near east and the this douchebag gets out of the humvee and he's like he's like sloan you're a meat eater and he goes up he's taking pictures he's like taking selfies of himself and sloan doesn't seem to care but he's good at killing right and then the next scene is him smoking and he sees that same soldier uh raping a near eastern lady and he goes in stabs him gives her the knife and then he walks away grabs a cigarette and you can hear her stabbing the guy to death the rest of the way mm-hmm. and he's walking back to his unit he's got this bloody hand and you're like what's gonna happen you get shot in the neck and it's the same hand that you grab with that's all bloody mm-hmm. i think there's symbolism there i think basically he is the wolf he's he's just using that over there in iraq whatever and there's a supernatural force calling him home only it's not his son dying it's like the way that he got shot in the neck and it's like a the million dollar injury whatever you get to go home that's when he learns of the news of his son is after he gets back so i think it's like a both and situation like there's some force calling him home he gets home discovers his wife's dead and that, then you think it's a revenge story mm-hmm. the friend of this guy gives him equipment and they just kill everyone in the morgue he steals a son puts him in a box cuts himself uses blood to write symbols on the box i don't know what that means but they're chanting stuff and so that's why i think there's like this pack mentality um so the part where it really loses me is like say i don't know what jeffrey wright's character is the rest of the movie i don't know why the friend's son died and he's mad that the police didn't do anything because if the whole wolf pack thing it just doesn't make sense he didn't kill his kid maybe he did and he thought the police would do something i don't know that part doesn't make sense to me um crap happens there's a shootout scene and the movie the climax is they go back to this cave of hot springs a place of healing supposedly Mm -hmm. um police chief the only character anyone likes in the movie dies right um he's really to me the only solid character yeah uh he's there's no metaphors surrounding him he's not a symbol he's just ed or whatever his name is and then so last night i was so bored i was falling asleep but i remember what he goes into the cave and he gets shot with an arrow Mm -hmm. and the husband wife reunite Mm -hmm. they don't kill each other or hurt each other right am i remembering that right i'm pretty sure they do it do they just bone? Yeah. So, and then uh, they you leave. You don't see it, because, like, he's choking her, and then, like, she takes off the mask, and then they, like, slide down to the ground. Yeah. And then the guy passes out, because he just got shot with yeah. an arrow, and then he wakes up again, and he's taking the arrow out. Yeah. So, I'm guessing she, that whole thing happened just to reunite their pack, right? Probably. Is that what the story yeah, is saying? So. That's what I understood it as. Yeah. So, in the end, sorry for that long synopsis, I don't think it's a good movie because the watcher had to do way too much work for a not that great ending. And the for not doesn't great. even make total sense yeah. with the whole movie. Exactly. Like, we still don't know why the main character is the main add, character. Can I add something? Mm-hmm. This should have just been werewolves. 
Yeah, if they would transform, it would have been. Yeah. Actually, if it yeah. turned if into murder party in the levels. cave, <laughs> they're like just start like I think doing the slow truth lead serum. Up would have been better if it was, it was just all werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> nah, this movie sucked. <laughs> yeah, I looked up tons of reviews to try and figure out what this movie was about. And no one put, no one said much about that. They just kept saying, "Oh, it's about the human condition and violence." Or everyone's like, "What is this movie about?" Almost every person I follow on Letterboxd just said, "What's this movie about?" Only a couple people are like, "Another great movie from from my favorite director, Jeremy Solnier." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "What are you smoking?" You know, it, it. This was one of those cases where, like, reading other people's reviews because I was expecting, I was like, all of his movies have been pretty much critically praised, so I'd love. To just kind of see, I'm like, what am I missing with this one? Because this one just kind of seemed like a drag, like a mm-hmm. bit of a mess. Like it was trying to say something so big, but it didn't really seem like it was saying anything. And even mm-hmm. whatever it was trying to say, like even all the theories that you just kind of came up with, to me, just don't really add up to anything. Like it's just kind of an interesting, you know, if you if you want to get into the lore of mm-hmm. things. But like as far as lore goes, I'm like, yeah, it's it's fun if you want to talk about. Um, <laughs> characters mythologies and such but you know that's not really what to me makes a movie or makes a great compelling story um and even if this didn't have a compelling story at least have some great moments to it and like i said the only thing i really liked was that shootout for the pure entertainment of it so mm-hmm. I, I looking up reviews then i was like well i, I want to see what other people have to say but I, surprisingly there was quite a few people out there who kind of had the same issues with it that i did mm-hmm. like this is his everyone pretty much has said that this is his least best movie yep. I guess but even then there are some people who have been pretty straightforward like I, the letterbox reviews surprised me some people were mm-hmm. straight up like not a good movie and yeah. it kind of made me feel like a little better like you should never base anything on reviews obviously but it did mm-hmm. kind of make me feel like okay I wasn't completely on a different planet with this movie yeah. like Everybody was kind of seeing the same thing I was, and it's God. Does it continue the trend that just Netflix movies suck? Like, yeah, not that they not that they suck, but they are just so nothing. Like every Netflix movie I've seen has pretty much disappointed me. I have not seen Buster Scruggs, so don't Mm. throw that on me yet. And I saw Roma, and Roma was fine, but like we said, Mm -hmm. cinematography. Do you really remember anything? I don't know. It, it yeah, was a good cinematography movie, but like I said, even that was like... I, after watching um, E2 Mama Tam, Tambien, Tambien was it, what's it called? I, I think you got it. It's E2 Mama Tambien. Yeah, after watching that, I have a lot more respect for Roma. Yeah. Because that was a really good movie, and now I kind of understand a little bit more about that. Dra- anyway, um, yeah. I don't know. I think... I really hope this isn't his Shyamalan decline. <laughs> having like this just stellar streak and then but uh, like i said i don't know what his plans are for a next movie you know i hope he doesn't drop off the map either like uh neil blomkamp you know yeah um kinda, what was his last movie his last one was chappy and then he was signed on to do alien 5 and that just kind of that away. didn't happen and now he's doing as far as i know he's supposed to do RoboCop sequel, you know, but everyone, I don't know. Everyone said that Alien movie got canceled because um, the Covenant didn't do so well at the mm-hmm. box office. But pretty sure Alien Five was canceled even before that. Like I think, I think so, so. I think it was canceled straight up just because yeah. the studio said no or they didn't like the script or something. Um, 
I did hear about the RoboCop, so and it was gonna be a straight up sequel. So hopefully he does that. Mm-hmm. As for Jeremy Saulnier, he's not he's not gonna go away. He mm-hmm. because even Green Room actually I believe wasn't a commercial success mm-hmm. in any shape of the no. World. I think it was a twenty four. I I don't remember seeing commercials for it other than. Heard on a podcast and then red boxed it. I think so. it was actually considered like a disappointment, but obviously, it, like all of his movies, it's kind of had a following. Mm-hmm. Green Room probably has the largest. Um, Hold the Dark, like I said, it's just it's kind of an issue with throwing movies on Netflix is that mm-hmm. they can kind of get lost in mm-hmm. the mix. You, it's kind of hard to even like carbon date this crap because you, yeah, it's like, oh, this movie is this a new one? Is this something that's been here since the very beginning? Mm-hmm. What is this? And it just shows up once in a while, and you're recommended. Mm-hmm. And it's, I like I said, I've seen it pop up, but I think it's literally because I watch Murder Party, and they're like, mm-hmm. hey, maybe you'll like this. And I'm like, that's not a good connection. It's the same director, yeah. but if <laughs> if you liked Murder Party, it does not mean you're gonna like Old the Dark. Well, the complete, you never think it's the same director. It is, not and it's weird because you can watch the other two movies and kind of see a slow progression to that. Mm-hmm. But it's like you kind of need all the movies to sort of see. You can see the connections between all of them. Yep. But it's kind of like a like a daisy chain. It's not like a oh murder party. If you watch that, you'll see a lot of cinematography similarities yep. in Hold the Dark. It's like no, you don't. And Hold the Dark, it had some impressive shots in it. I I really like mm-hmm. movies that take place in the snow at night when it kind of gives like mm-hmm. a blue tone to it. I like shots like that. But like I said, it was just such a just nothing to the plot that mm-hmm. I was really into, and even. It was the quickest that I had dropped out of one of his movies, where I was like, well, where is this even going? Yeah. I, it's... It, I don't know. I, I really love... I love the tone of this movie. A lot of the the soundscape I was into. Um, the acting itself even wasn't bad. It's just like... A, at the end of the day, it was such a poorly written movie when it should have been a good movie. You know, and... It's. I think that's what it was. It's just poorly written, but I thought it looked good, sounded good, um, and I still have faith in Jeremy Selene. I, I did read a review from someone. It was a critic that seemed like kind of on like the neutral side of most movies, because um, this person talked about how when they had seen Jeremy Selene uh, debut uh, Green Room at a theater, mm-hmm. and he was like crazy excited and he just he was confident but also hopeful he's like i really hope you guys like this movie because i really like it like this is like my my masterpiece kind of mm-hmm. um and this the critic loved it but they weren't like best act director ever you know it was just like oh no like really surprised me i one of my favorite movies of the year mm-hmm. they said that they saw him at the same theater debut this one the same way and he said that jeremy Saulnier was uh very like Kind of how I imagine Josh Trank debuting Fantastic Four. Oh, right, um, that far. Not being like, this blows. But being like, uh, yep, this is the movie I did. Like, just complete um, opposite of what he was it's, before. Uh, basically, yeah, like like being like, not like you're going to hate it, but like, here's another one I did. You know, kind of attitude. Like, if you like it, you like it. If not, it's okay. <laughs> and because he didn't write it, like, you know, whatever. There's a, there's a famous book called Disney War. Michael Eisner hires his pal to uh, work with him. And the second he hires him, he regrets it. And that's how I kind of feel about this movie. I'm mm-hmm. like, I feel like Jeremy Saulnier 
read this script from his friend Mm -hmm. and was like, I love this, and I can't let anybody else get this. I have to do this. And the second he, you know, got it going, like, oh, Netflix is picking up the, you know, distribution rights, and we got to produce, we're going to make a movie, he started saying, crap. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, because I I would be kind of interesting to know what the discussions were. Because it's it's very... um, it's a it's very rare that like a director who has done so many movies in a row that were written by him suddenly doing a script that's not written by him. I mean Tarantino has never done a script that's not written by him. So yeah. it's like how why suddenly this one? Well, because it was written by his pal. Mm-hmm. But you just I got it makes me wonder. I mean, all I'm going to say is they're probably in good terms. I don't know. They're probably fine. But, like, mm-hmm. that story you told me is interesting. And let's just see. If he makes another movie, if Macon Blair just isn't in it suddenly, I'd be like, oh, shit. But, like, I doubt it. I'm mm-hmm. sure they're fine. But, like, it, it probably wasn't. It's obviously not his passion project. I would really probably give that to Green Room. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as I like the other two, Green Room is probably his passion project. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, this one just kind of seemed like a... Yeah, it'd be cool to shoot a movie in the snow. It's kind of like how I feel mm-hmm. about Tim Burton's Mars Attacks. It's like, <laughs> yeah, let's just blow shit up. It, yeah. It's just like, it's just like I get why you did it, but it's like, it, at the end of the day, it's like, it's not really something that you would normally do. Mm-hmm. You just kind of did it. If he did do it just for his friend, that's admirable, I think. Where he's like, yeah, my career's online, but whatever. <laughs> But uh, well, he must have like believed in the script enough. I, yeah. I like I said, I I think it's legit. Like, he read it. That's the thing is like I watched it the first time. I think I gave it four stars, but it was because I was like, I don't know what this movie's about. I think there's something here, but I'm gonna give it some time and watch it again for like an episode like this. Mm-hmm. And rewatching it last night, the whole movie, I'm like, there isn't anything here. <laughs> as much as the symbolism, I'm getting some of it. It's not a movie. It's really not. And. So I I ended it with a three star because I still love the director the, the directing mm-hmm. um, score environment some of the acting like like uh the Skarsgård Vernon Sloan I thought was fantastic like I loved his character mm-hmm. the police chief like I said is the only normal character in the movie whatever Jeffrey Wright was doing I don't know <laughs> I think it was overacting. Um, but uh, yeah, the the story just isn't good. So three stars, which is generous. Yeah, I, I give it two and a half. Two and a half. I give it three. Two and a half. And that half a star, like I mm-hmm. said, it's only because of that shootout. It is one of the great American shootouts of of cinema. Like, really, I think it's that good. Like I think that shootout scene is so good because. I mean, I'm. I mean, I, I guess on levels of bullets per minute because it just goes on and on and on. I'm glad mm-hmm. they don't like let up right away. They're like, no, we're gonna keep this going for a while. And I was like, mm-hmm. I dig it. Like this is, this is badass. Does it have a point? No clue. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels about as pointless as any shootout you'd see in a Rambo movie, to be quite honest. But yeah, man, is it entertaining? Do you? Uh, so yeah, I, I love the scene. It opens with like he's got his back to him. He's like, yeah, we're gonna need a SWAT team in two hours. And then all of a sudden the top door of the house flies open of course jeffrey and, wright can't even talk that much because he's still sick well, that's like, the thing. He's, like, hey. he's like crawling around and like um there's a there's like a guy shot oh it's the main kid i think 
or not the main kid, the kid who's like with the police chief behind the rock. He like tries to go help someone, mm-hmm. get shot very horrifyingly, and he's lying there yelling. And you see the spray of bullets hitting the ground, and it just goes across his legs while he's laying there. Right. And you're like, oh man, this he's is so... just like messing with him at that point. And it's just so I think dirty. yeah, they're just like keeping people, and then like yeah, the Ed Jeffrey Wright's like dragging him away. He's like, stop. <laughs> And he stops, he has something of a heart left, or some maybe respect for Jeffrey Wright. Right. Like, I, I don't know what that like is. Like I said, though, it's like weird stuff like that where I'm like, I don't really know what they're getting at with all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, even as, as far as Jeremy Salnier's writing, I'm like, it, that's why I think it shows that he's just a much better writer because mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of that, um, you know, um, what's, what am I looking for? I just said it earlier. Um, a trial and error. There's not a lot of trial yeah. and error in this movie where, like, certain things are happening that, um, like a domino effect or, oh, like, this is causing a real good moment of intensity. Mm-hmm. Like, the one thing I can think about is when Jeffrey Wright rolls down that hill and then his gun is up on the hill and the wolves are coming after him mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, crap. But th- there's not really any other moments like that. And they're, his movies are full of that mm-hmm. for the most part, except here. Yeah. I just thought of something. I'm probably way off, but what if. She killed the the friend's kid. The wife killed the friend's kid mm-hmm. the year before or whatever to try and get the husband to come home maybe, and then he didn't, and then she killed her own, and then that's why she wrote Jeffrey Wright to, like, she thought, like, he would come and then kill her because the cops never came to solve the murder. I don't know. I'm really reaching. I just I, thought it might be. That's interesting. I'm trying to figure out how the friend plays in more, but anyway. Um, so you guys, I heard before we start recording, you you guys rank them first to last in. I do order. He, no, of, I don't. I, I don't. Okay. I, uh, I rank so eight. so Justin's is murder party, blue ruin, green room. Yeah. Hold the dark. Yep. And, and that's one half star down as you go. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and mine mine's. Murder Party, Green Room, Blue Ruin, Hold the Dark. Say it one more time. Murder Party. Murder Party, Green Room, Blue Ruin, Hold the Dark. Okay. Cool. Chloe. I can't can't pick a favorite. I can't do it. You have to. You have to, though. I've tried. This is what we do on this podcast for a long time. Over a year. Mm. Is Hold the Dark at the bottom? Yes. Hold the Dark 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 is at the bottom. If you can rank Quentin Tarantino. on top of that, and then... Literally, Murder Party and Green Room are tied. I can't pick. Pick one. Three, I two, one. Won't do it. No. Flip a coin. I'd say it's a Green Room if it's your second favorite movie of all time and your second favorite it's, horror movie. But it's Green Room. I've seen Green Room more, but there, like there you Murder go. Party, I crack up the whole time. So I don't know. Well, we'll have to get back to that in a um, the year then. But I'm never for now, I'm putting Green Room at the top because like, I think just for yeah. technical, as a technicality, because... Okay. I'm a sucker. Murder party with a big Murder asterisk party. on it. Murder party is so fun. Pure Murder cinema. Is so serious. Uh, what if Hunter threw us all off and he's like, oh. uh, number one is actually uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Green Room, Murder Party, Blue Ruin, Hold the Dark. Big, big gap between Hold the Dark and Blue Ruin, unfortunately. Yeah, there's about five movies in between those. Yeah. Yeah. On the Chloe scale, it's like. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm so excited for his next one. If oh, I'm so dumb. Like I just, I didn't even think of this. The Three Cornettos trilogy that you're trying to say. 
Blue Rune, Green Room. I didn't even think of the color. That's what I was saying. That's what would be called, like, the color trilogy. Purple Rain or Red Dawn. Could take place in the desert. Clockwork Orange. Kind of make it rhyme, too. Yeah. White Christmas. You know, it takes place in the desert. He hasn't filmed in the desert yet. I bet that'll be next. He'll throw the dirt. He'll be like, all right, we're going to Arizona. Okay, click three, two, one. What's your favorite I'm not picking. Hold the dark. Uh, <laughs> That's our favorite. Green park. This is the part of the show where we do the, the game. The game. Are we going to do last movie on Earth? We're going to do last movie on Earth, but if everybody last. has a Jeremy Sonnier. No, I think you don't have to pick that one. <laughs> we can pick a different one just because. Uh, I'm going to be real big. We don't have movie. to pick a different one. Oh, yeah. you're going to pick the same. Well, this is the game where <laughs> Zach introduces it. Uh, we play a game. I got my rule. <laughs> most. <laughs> Shutting up. <laughs> Most most episodes we play a game called Last Movie on Earth, where we all guess the last movie that we saw. Um, you read a description off of something online, and we all try and guess what it is based off that. And if you win, you get points. If no one gets it, then, then you, you get, get points. points. And we yeah. keep it score. We we keep it score. Game. <laughs> keep a score ongoing between episode thanks, to episode. Thanks for filling in. So that's it. <laughs> um, right now we have uh, Mr. Hunter Goebel at 73, Justin at 62, uh, Chloe at 45, and Zachary at 42. Zach, nice. you're falling behind. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I watched normal movies. Oh. <laughs> it's true. All right, well, um, who wants to start? I'll start, and I'll be real vague about it. Okay. Harry and pals go on another magical adventure. Go. Jeez. <laughs> That's it? That's it. On another one. If so I it can't be the first else. one because it's another one. Yeah, okay, I give you that. Alright. So it, there's a one in six chance? And it's not the fifth <laughs> one. Seven it's chance? not the fifth or sixth one because there's not really an adventure in those ones. Oh, I was being real vague about that. Oh, he said there's another a, adventure. adventures in that. There's not an adventure in the fifth one. And there's not really anything in the sixth one. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Wrong. Okay. False. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Wrong, oh, no. This is stupid. If she gets it wrong, we deserve a better hint. <laughs> I will take a second. Wait a minute, why did we take the year of director? We could have. Yeah, we should have. <laughs> well, she, yeah, she you, can wait for the year end yeah, director. There you go. 2002. Main character. Oh. Who's the director? Wait, really? Wait, that yeah. should give it away. Chamber? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was pretty sure, but I wanted to be really sure. I didn't even think of that. Chamber of Sorcerer's Stones. I wouldn't have given that to you. What did you think of Chamber of Secrets? Uh, refer to Harry Potter episode for that. Oh, shoot. Think this I'm just that. slowly rewatching <laughs> What's the star rating off the top of your head? Uh, three and a half? Three? Three, three and a half. So it's the worst. Ooh, the same as Hold the Dark. Oof. Just kidding. <laughs> Is it? Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know how to like make it so no one could guess Chamber of Secrets, you know? Mm-hmm. I understand. Gotta cheat. It's understandable. Well, Harry finds the private room. (laughs) The room of privates. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Give me a synopsis of Chamber of Secrets that I wouldn't be able to guess. Okay. Giant reptile hidden in the basement. Uh, Already know. Chamber of Secrets. Well, then you know what? Whatever. Continue. Let's go. (laughs) Chloe. Me. Yes. You. Okay. Um. Hold on. My eyes itchy. We'll refrain from the game as you itch your eye. Okay, thank you. Um, 
Okay, a man who specializes in debunking paranormal occurrences checks in to a specific hotel room in the Dolphin Hotel. Soon after settling in, he confronts genuine terror. Movie where a guy debunks paranormal stuff. It's a junkie, sir. Is it? I don't want to answer that. Is this actor John Cusa? I don't want to answer that. Is John Cusa? We're not there yet. Okay. okay. Well, even if it is, how does that help? Because I know what movie it is. I just don't remember the name. <sighs> I don't know. John Cusa? Is it like a room number? I'm not going to answer that. Hmm. What is the director? Good question. Hmm. Huh. huh. He's foreign. Tom Holland. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Legendary Mich- horror director. <laughs> Mikhail Halfstrom. Okay. Okay, that helps. Um, year. <laughs> Two thousand seven. Oh, we're not gonna get this. This is not gonna happen. Sorry. John Cusack is, is he? Is he the lead? Okay. <laughs> is it a room? I'm not. I'm not answering. Just give me that. I don't want to give it to you. Yeah, it's a room number. Hmm. It's like... I want to throw a four digit. <laughs> Maybe. I swear to God, I can't this in my breakups. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I think it's like... We got some stakes going on now. Is it like 1342 or something like that? There's, four, there's no way it's four. Is that it? would insinuate there's... <laughs> A lot of floors. <laughs> what thirteen? It, yeah, four digits. That would be I like stayed at a hotel floor. and my room number was eleven ten. Yeah, maybe if they go by like the floor, floor number, floor number, and then that. But if it's floor number, there shouldn't be too many floors. You said it's a hotel so, or a motel. Hotel. So it would be lower if it's four. So it'd be like one zero something like that, or one one, or zero one. But you gotta think of something that kind of works well too. So thirteen is a good starter. But you sure said it's thirteen something. Thirteen forty two. When, that's, that's my guess, but is that your pro- final one? No. It's probably wrong. 1342, 150 years before Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Really is. Room 1312. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did know that. We own it. Do we? Yeah. Room 1312. No. Room. It doesn't have the word room in front of it. Uh, it's yeah. just the number. Oh, it's just. It's literally just a four digit number. Yeah. Who else is in it? Uh, t- 2049? I don't know. 2049. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Mary McCormack, I don't know who that what is. What is it? It's 1408. Oh, yeah, that. I forgot. I mean, if you think about it, the hotel's 14th floor is the 13th floor, so mm. if you know that, then you could kind of Oh, yeah. yeah. But it's real good. Does every hotel actually not have a 13th floor? Yeah, the a hotel I checked, most of them don't. Wow. The hotel I was at. And it's like a superstitious right thing? 12 yeah. to 14. I don't know why I did. I've never seen. I was going for Twilight Zone, and for some reason I sang Halloween. Yeah, it's a Halloween. Or the People's Court. Okay, well, what's yours? Okay, cool. Yikes. <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry. Are you guys ready? I, just, I had such a weird flashback there to 
every night watching the news and then suddenly E.T. shows up and go, whoa. Okay, your turn. Yeah, go. Um, a drama about a boxer's unlikely road to the world light Walter White title. His rocky-like rise was shepherded by his half-brother, a boxer-turned-trainer who rebounded in life after nearly being KO'd by drugs and crime. Okay, so it's not Raging Bull because you just watched it. And it's not Rocky because that doesn't sound like Rocky. So we can cut all of it. said Rocky-like in the description. The fighter. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> With the help of my deduction... Yeah, but no, that makes, yeah, I should have. Never I seen the fighter. It's the only other boxing movie that I know of that's not Rocky or Raging Bull. Really? Yeah. <laughs> or I guess Creed. I was thinking Million Dollar Baby, <clears throat> but there wasn't anything about a millionaire, a dollar, or a baby. How was the fighter? Really good. Really liked it a lot. I don't. I for some reason. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking back to it. I'm like. It wasn't as memorable as I was watching, but for some reason I gave it four stars <laughs> when I did. Um, but very, it's, in terms of like boxing movies, it's very different because it's not so much about him as a fighter. It's called The Fighter, but it's more about his relationship with the family. Mm-hmm. And it's like a true story, so it's... But could he be a fighter in another sense? Like a fighter for his family? In his dynamic in the family. Yeah. So there's there's one scene where, like, I remember, like, being almost in tears because I thought it was a just very real scene. Um, I've never seen the fight. But, yeah. <laughs> Christian Bale, really, really cool acting job. To see him go from, like, that to, like, Vice. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. like, just everything that he's been in, this is, like... Still the most obscure role I've ever seen Christian Bale play. Right. The least Christian Bale ever is this movie so far. Mm. Maybe this new one, Ford versus Ferrari, is maybe like this character. I bet he's still going to be super Christian Bale in that one. No. I don't think so. No? What do you think his, like, I don't know if this is the right word, but titular role is? In Ford versus Ferrari? No, I like Christian know. Bale. Like the one he's... Like Who do you think is? he's the most Christian Bale in? I would say the Prestige, but Batman. Obviously, I believe he's actually Batman. Yeah, is that who you're talking about, Batman? Yeah. In what city, Gotham? <laughs> Bruce Wayne. <laughs> you're talking Bruce Wayne, the billionaire. <laughs> I watched the 1989. He moonlights as Christian Bale, but he is Bruce Wayne. <laughs> he's not even Batman. <laughs> he's like his other cover is. Oh yeah, I've been Christian Bale. The exciting adventure I'm of Christian, Christian Bale. Bale and how he never and how he becomes Bruce Wayne but never becomes Batman. That's the whole movie. Okay. Where are the other roles going? <laughs> You would never give it to an ordinary citizen. <laughs> um, Jack Malik is a struggling singer-songwriter in an English seaside town whose dreams of fame are rapidly fading, despite the fierce devotion and support of his childhood best friend, Ellie. After a freak bus accident during a mysterious global blackout, Jack wakes up to discover that he's the only person on Earth who can remember 
Yesterday. The Beatles, yes. I was right! I was leading <laughs> up to that part. I I walked in, he was listening to the Beatles, I was like, were you inspired by yesterday? So you were listening to the Nope, Beatles? I liked the Beatles before that. <laughs> but it's true. I did recently get into the Beatles. It's been year. it's taken forever, but I'm, I'm into them. And then I watched the movie yesterday, which is neat, I guess. I don't know. How was yesterday? You know how they're saying that, you know, like, oh, there needs to be more big-budget original films, you know, and, you know, there's so many sequels, and Yesterday is here to prove that, no, big-budget original films aren't that great. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. Was it that good? They paid $25 million to get the um, rights to the Beatles' music in this movie, so it makes sense that there's not a lot of big names in it, because <laughs> they probably couldn't afford anything after that. It's it's fine. Like, the idea... Here's the thing. The idea's so good that it's only going to disappoint you. That's the problem. Like, the idea is just too good that you need to actually give it to someone who can do something with this idea mm -hmm. and not simplify it or go by the numbers with it. Or, worst case scenario, just turn it into another run-of-the-mill... Not, it's not even a biopic, but it runs like one of those music biopics about the rise to fame, but it does it so quick. Like, you know, then this happened, this... And there's no struggle. There's nothing really to it. It's just that he becomes famous and he starts... Um, Losing his connections with the one woman he loved his whole life, but at the same time, it's like even that stuff is like not falling apart as much as the by the numbers cliche stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like not even doing like the cliche stuff good. So that's well, what I mean. Like it was. Did they at least either have Paul or Ringo in it? There are no cameos from Living Beatles. The movie does one thing that I'm like, I don't know if this is interesting or real kind of neat. Like a, a, like a once upon a time in Hollywood kind of neat thing they do in the movie. Um, like a Forrest Gump thing where they fudge TV? It's not fudged up TV. It's just huh. a man and it's it, someone shows up and it's real interesting because you know it's huh. the world where the Beatles never existed you're like oh this kind of makes sense and it's kind of sentimental it's also really rushed it's also kind of stupid <laughs> like I don't know that's that's how I feel about the whole movie it's disappointing it just it could have been so much better but that's the thing it's a, the idea that it's like it's like if someone's sitting on the toilet and they come up with this amazing idea and they're like, I need to do this now. And mm -hmm. then there's no way you're going to make it good, though, because the idea is too good. Like that premise could sell millions. And then you have to make it good, though. I mean, Groundhog Day is like an obvious comparison, mm -hmm. I feel like, where, you know, just something happens and that's it. It just, it just happens. There's no explanation. And it's just dealing with this guy... Uh, and him dealing with it, but that's not what, really what this movie's about. Like, there's the world's not too much different, and he doesn't deal with too much. Mm -hmm. And there's not many changes, and any changes that there are are pretty random. And I think the writers slash director also, I, 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 or both of them, I, they think it's funnier than it actually is. Like, Coca Cola just doesn't exist. You know, he finds that out too, and he's like, oh. But there's no connection between Coca-Cola and the Beatles. I mean, Coca-Cola was invented years earlier. Same with cigarettes. Cigarettes just don't exist. And it's like... And he's like, oh, man. And it's like... Hmm. And you're kind of like, ha-ha. Like, it's weird, because you're like... Why couldn't we just go off the basis of the Beatles? What if they never existed? How would the world of music change? Well, for some reason, Ed Sheeran still exists. Um, Childish Gambino still exists. Um, you got Charles Gambino? No, he's not in the movie. But no, they but they got Donald Glover. 
Right. Uh, His weird twin brother that no one seems to notice. And, but um, I almost said Danny Glover. Would make sense. <laughs> but since the Beatles don't exist, uh, Oasis doesn't exist, so there's no Wonderwall. Oh, <laughs> That's actually kind of funny. What a terrible world. Right. But it's like there's not a lot of that. You would think there would be much more funny things. Like I don't even want to be about this this guy making music. I want it to be about like, hey, since the Beatles never existed, like the Vietnam War ended a lot worse than originally interpreted. You know, like oh, for instance, the Berlin Wall never came down. Nixon uh, stayed president. Certain presidents, there was no Obama as president. Like stuff. So, like I feel like there could have been way more interesting stuff like that. But instead, it's basically. It's our world, but there's no Beatles music or cigarette. It's like what? Like that's it doesn't so sound too bad. Like it sounds like it could be a cute movie. Like it sounds like a like, cute like the movie. Truman Show. Like it could end up really good mm-hmm. and like a classic. Maybe like a good idea, but like, you need a good writer. Like what if Jim Carrey was in it? You know, I right. could lighten it up, but I haven't seen it. I imagine it ends bad. If it was a Jim Carrey movie, I almost feel like it'd be better because it'd be way more based off of humor, mm-hmm. which this movie's not. By the way, if you are looking for something that's like that, a world where something like major didn't happen, check out The Man in the High Castle, one of the only TV shows I will praise on this podcast. Hmm. It's about if Jeremy, if Jeremy, (laughs) if Germany and Japan won World War II and like took over the U.S. It's really, 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 really good. Amazon Prime, (laughs) exclusively, I think. So it's not on the basic channels. Not that I know of. I've been watching it on Amazon Prime. But it's one of my favorite TV shows I've ever seen. Well, there we go. The films of Jeremy Salnier. I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll all join up once he has another movie debut. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm guessing another two years. I would. We'll probably see one. Yeah, it's been a gap since... It was three years since Green Room. To Hold the Dark. Yeah, so right now we're one year out of Hold the Dark, so mm-hmm. I, I feel like it'll be another two years or three years. I feel like it's going to be another Netflix release, but we'll see. I hope not. I, I mean, he got A24 for, I think, Blue Ruin also? Or no, no, just just for uh, Green Room was A24. I think so. So. Yeah. All right, well, um, that's all my thoughts on the matter art, so... Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to this episode, everybody. Uh, we're all signing off. We're probably going to bed soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, remember to uh, uh-huh. give this. Oh, did you think I was going to say it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> remember to give this podcast a like. Uh, go when, to DeLucon if you're in the DeLucon. Yeah. Once it's um, dropping, is it dropping before DeLucon? Oh, yeah. This will drop on Friday. So Friday should be the day it's starting. Uh, and Saturday, I will be there. Uh, Hunter will be there. Mm-hmm. I believe Zach and Chloe might be sure. Maybe. Well, I'll be there anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, it'll be a good time. Duluth's finally getting the convention, so it's kind of nice. Um, but thanks for listening, everybody. And remember always beware the cinema swan. The cinnamon rolls. Thanks for listening to this episode. So, what's your personal favorite Jeremy Saulnier film? Do you consider Green Room to be an instant classic? Do you think Murder Party deserves to go past its cult status? And did you find Hold the Dark to be a bit overrated? Leave a comment on this episode, like our pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cinema Swamp. And remember, always beware of the Cinema Swamp.